Coming to you from a stable in the desert. The horror. <laughs> it's the little podcast of horrors with James, Christina, and Chris. Welcome Bye. to the little podcast, of course. <laughs> little podcast, whatever they said. <laughs> I like the cork pop. I know, right? It's all like, that's like good. I know, he's like, Welcome to Little Podcast of Horrors. Oh, I couldn't hear it that time. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Looks like you're drinking straight out of the bottle, though. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we we know it's a Christina episode when Chris skips the glass and just. <laughs> That's our deeply troubled friend, Chris. And I may have caused his troubles. <laughs> Deeply troubled? Like, damn. She's like, Honestly, we're, that's our friend Chris, who we have monthly meetings about. <laughs> where we voice our concerns and what we should do about it. What? Oh, forget that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You didn't know that. We all meet behind your back and talk about you. I know I do. Get together and talk <laughs> about me. <laughs> I meet yeah. behind your back and talk about you. He talk. He gets in my face and talks about me. <laughs> like you're not even there. <laughs> no, he just gets right in my face. He's like, when you have a problem. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Little Podcast of Horrors. As always, I'm the man, the myth, the legend, Big Papa Chris. And I'm Christina. How many times am I going to have to tell you who I am? Every time. This is Phil, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to our meeting, Phil. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I love Ella. I was all like, I'm Big Papa Chris. And then Christine's like in the little girl. She's like, I'm Princess. I'm like a fairy tale. I'm a fairy princess. That's the voice. And I'm an HBO Max special. (laughs) And then there's Phil. And I'm Phil. Let's guys. I'll be filling in for you. Phil's filling in. I hope you're better than that James guy. He really sucks. Hey, that's my best friend you're talking about. I don't give a f- Chris. <laughs> She's now just... you've seen the dark side of the fairy princess, okay? Don't She's mess with just... me. She's just jealous of his magnetic sex appeal. <laughs> that I, Phil, do not have either. <laughs> and I join her in her jealousy. No, she's all like, she's all like, <laughs> and I will stab you in the goddamn throat if you cross me. Anyway, on tonight, on today's little podcast of orbs, do uh, not challenge me. <laughs> do not challenge her. Do not look her directly in the eye, or else you shall die. Well, I'm hosting today, or I have the story, whatever it is. I don't know. She's year. hosting, and we're nothing now. <laughs> She's like, this is my show. F off. 
Yeah, in fact, I'm going to mute you guys and make it to where you can't unmute yourself. They're not even here, guys. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. This is all me. That would be a really boring show. I do kind of want to listen to an episode where it's Christina both telling the story and reacting to it as three different people. I could make that happen would, if she I was if she is, if she's into it. Episode. Okay, we'll have to do that for sure. Maybe that can be one of our TikToks. (laughs) All right, guys. Are you guys... How many times can I say guys? Guys. Uh, Ready for a really sad story? Wow. I would have been shocked (laughs) if she's been like, hey, guys, today my story is going to be chipper and happy and full of hope and love. You just wait until I give her a story. Who the hell are you? I feel like Christina stopped like, hey, are you ready to give up on hope and let all light fade from your life until darkness consumes you? It's time. (laughs) Embrace the darkness. (laughs) Get ready to weep, guys. Existential crisis. Because Christina has a story today. Do you like puppies? Well, they're going to (laughs) die. I don't think there are any dead animals in the story. That's what I can say for the story. <laughs> Bright side, there are no <laughs> dead puppies because dead puppies aren't much fun. Well, <clears throat> me, 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 me. So you're like Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time. In the valley of darkness and and sorrow. Everyone was dead and lost everything. The end. So before we get too far in, I got to do my trigger warnings. Okay, so there's a lot of violence against women, including sexual assault. Um, There is some... Potentially, it's racially directed violence, potentially, and also violence against children. So, oh, oh, good. Yeah. So, I just want to put that out there. So, you guys, if you can't handle it, or, you know, that sounded harsh, but you know what I mean? Like, if it's going to be a hurtful for you, then please stop here. All if right. You cannot handle it <laughs> in the sense that a normal person with a soul cannot handle something. Yes. <laughs> Please stop here. No, I'm really not trying to traumatize people. So you can't tell that from my story selections. All right. Anyway, uh, so (laughs) I'm having a hard time today. This is a story of the servant girl annihilator. New band name. Uh, Yeah. Chris's face. So I'm going to go ahead and get my sources out of the way here. So I don't forget while we're mid story. Are you sure this wasn't an 80s hair metal band? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I guess it's more (laughs) like a modern, like doom metal band. Servant girl. Yeah, it's probably the doom metal genre. Yeah, it'd be a really good doom metal band name. I'd buy the album. Dibs. Okay, back off. <laughs> but all right, I'm, so hmm? you okay? Yeah, I was gonna say like back off. Like 
We need multiple people buying the albums. So you, me, everybody. That's how you get to number one. No, I'm saying the name is mine for my doom no. metal band. Oh, okay. I was just Back saying, off. like, <laughs> I, I would buy the album. <laughs> no, obviously buy my album. I want to be rich and famous, but, you know. All right. So my sources here, I used a website called servantgirlmurders.com. Wait, wait, wait. Um, a wait. lot. a collection of servant girl. No, this website is completely 100% devoted to these killings. Oh, okay. So I got a lot of my victim information from this website. And um, <clears throat> when we kind of get to the suspect information, I got a lot of information from that website as well. They're really good. They did a lot of research. Like they went into old newspapers. They did a lot of work. So uh, first, so, 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 so three points just right out of the bat. One, you know, don't don't murder your servant girls. Two, maybe don't have servant girls. And three, you know, you, you don't need servants. Just don't have them. You know, going back to the whole band idea, uh, first song, hopelessly devoted to these killings. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you make me choke. Oh, man, our music career is already launching. Chris really is the creative genius of this team. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> I've had a lot of alcohol and it's broken down all the walls. That's the oh, second no. song. <clears throat> <laughs> all right. So servantgirlmurders.com. They had, that's where I got a lot of information. So if you find this story interesting, I urge you to go check that out they did a really good job yeah i urge you to have that in your browser history <laughs> uh yeah maybe like do it in incognito mode i guess i don't know <laughs> um another site that i used a lot was austin culture map so they have a website and this was like one of their historical articles learn about austin. austin culture <laughs> key cultural items such as surfing girl murders <laughs> and hopelessly devoted to these killings <laughs> all right so those were like my main sources here for this upsetting story <clears throat> you've been warned all right so between December 1884 and December 1885, a series of gruesome murders terrorized the city of Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin. Must <clears throat> to keep yeah. it weird, Austin, not keep it servant girl murdery. Murdery, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. There's the third song on the soundtrack. Keep it murdery. <laughs> Um, okay, so about a year, right, span for these murders. So the total number of victims is kind of, kind of seems to be in question. I saw some conflicting information in different places. So <clears throat> I think that's partly Once because ran of, out of fingers, it was really hard to keep count. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I think this is partly because the cities, there was like kind of a general confusion about whether this was one person doing the killings or multiple people. So some of the killings are attributed to like other potential incidents that were never solved. And then sometimes you saw it just kind of jammed together in the same list. Like these people were all killed by the same person. Um, <clears throat> so my rough estimate is about nine people were killed during this year period, potentially by the same person. Six of them were African-American women um, and two were white women. So it, there's some conversation around the fact that it might've been mo racially motivated at the time. As I said um, before, it's not an American <laughs> horror story unless there's some racism. Right. Um, and then there was one African-American male that was a victim as well. So um, also before we get kind of into it, information on each victim was really limited. I mean, it was the late 1800s. Um, so I, I did my best to pull information as I could about them as people, but there really isn't a whole lot to go off of. Um, <clears throat> so again, servantgirlmurders.com, they had a lot of the information about the victims. All right, so getting right to it, our first victim was Molly Smith. She was 25 years old. She worked as a cook at a private residence, um, the residence of Walter Hall. She had only been working there like a little over a month. Um, and she lived in a small apartment behind Walter Hall's residence with her boyfriend, Walter Spencer. So here's what we know about Molly. Um, she was born in Virginia in 1857. She came to Texas in, in the 1870s sometime. And she kind of jumped back and forth between Waco and Austin, uh, but she did meet her boyfriend, Walter Spencer, in Waco. Hmm. Molly did have a son, um, and at the time of her murder, he would have been 10 years old. Uh, but just to put it out there, he was not at the house at the time of the attack. That was in my thoughts. I was like, <laughs> I saw it on your face, Chris. There is, Please tell there me is violence. Kid was not there. There is violence with children and some of the victims did have children at home, but he was luckily not one of them. So he was not living with her at the time of the attack. So, um, and then from the brief character description that I could find about Molly, she sounded like kind of a feisty lady, not somebody to be messed with, um, reported like the, re the newspapers reported that she like threatened to hurt somebody with a beer bottle or something. So she was she's kind of like, a wild one. <laughs> I will touch you right now. Do not fuck with Molly, okay? <laughs> Molly is not to be trifled with. She will jab this <laughs> into your jugular. Just saying. Like me, a feisty woman, that's for sure. All right. So on the night of December 30th, 1884, Molly and her boyfriend, Walter, were attacked while in bed sleeping by a perpetrator wielding an axe. Walter Spencer was seriously wounded in the, in the attack, but he actually did survive. 
uh, Molly was murdered and left outside in the snow by the property's outhouse. And you're going to find this kind of a common trend. It's they seem to, the killer seems to incapacitate them while in bed and then take them outside and kill them and leave them out in the yard. That is really weird. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's go outside so I can finish the job. Yeah. Very bizarre. So initially, like right after the murders, a former boyfriend of Molly's William Brooks was suspected um, just because they were just kind of reaching. They didn't know they didn't have a clue. Um, And so they kind of went with a jealous ex angle, but he had an alibi. He was at a ball the night of these attacks and was quickly released. So the next two people I'm going to talk about, they're two of the questionable ones. So, you know, I, I said at the beginning, the number of victims we're not totally sure about. Um, so these two are kind of them. So the next two people are Clara Strand and Christine Martinson. Um, they were actually Swedish servants and they were attacked the night of March 19th, 1885. And they were both seriously wounded, but survived. And there was no other, I couldn't find any other information about these two people. So that is what, why I'm kind of like, I don't know if they were victims of it, but of the same person, you know? Okay. Our next victim is Eliza Shelley. She was about 30 years old. She worked as a cook for Dr. Lucian Johnson. Um, And she also lived behind like his main residence. And she did have three young children. Uh, She did work for the Johnson family for quite a while, according to newspapers. Um, So here's just a little bit that we know about her. She was born in Texas. Um, And she was married to a gentleman named Ike Shelley, but he was incarcerated at the time. So she was living alone with her kids. Um, And as far as like, personality there's not a lot of information but the wife of dr johnson the person the family she worked for stated the eliza had a good character so that's good i guess fairly well liked so on the night of may 7th 1885 eliza was attacked in bed and killed they found footprints in the dirt outside of the home like bear footprints, no shoes. <clears throat> when you said bear, I was all like, like, like a bear, like an animal. It's all like <laughs> bears. A <laughs> grizzly bear came bear. in and stabbed her repeatedly. <laughs> and then an axe wielding bear. An axe wielding <laughs> bear. Oh, service. <laughs> no, like axe wielding bear bears feet. are a guitar player. <laughs> That's it. All right. Um, so actually, I say axe wielding. In this one, they didn't even find a weapon. So no weapon was found on the scene. Because the bear took it back to, to, to her bear hideout with her cubs. <laughs> and axe bear. Kind of like cocaine bear, but axe bear. Uh, we'll have to have another t-shirt made. 
ex-wielding bear, ex-bear, the guitarist, and it's a bear with a guitar. <laughs> Maybe like a guitar with one hand and then <clears throat> holding the axe, like yeah, there you go. Which is it gonna be? We don't know. <laughs> Find out soon. Is there gonna be a bear I... outside about to murder you, or just thrashing some Axel Rose? Why not both? The... so eliza's murder is where this killer starts being dubbed the servant girl annihilator and that name just really came from this like well-known resident this rich dude that wrote a letter to somebody and he called it that this this killer that and it stuck everybody ran with it they were like yeah this is metal so they ran with it All right, so as far as Eliza's case here, the only witness uh, was Eliza's eight-year-old son. Um, And of course, due to the trauma, the only thing he could remember was that the attacker was wearing a white rag over his face. So he didn't get a good look at his face, doesn't know what he looks like. Um, Later, a man named Andrew Williams is arrested literally only because he was walking around with no shoes on and you know they found the bare footprints in the dirt outside the home and they were like this guy's got no shoes got him so he was arrested this guy's got no shoes (laughs) or he's a grizzly i don't know which is which but we're gonna find out So obviously they can really charge him with anything. He was released because there's no evidence. <clears throat> and then a week later, I'd another say there was no evidence afoot. Oh, but um, boom. So um, a week later, another guy is brought in. His name is Ike Plummer, and he's brought in because a neighbor of Ike said that he heard Ike arguing with Eliza about money shortly before the attack. And then the night of the murders, he said that he was awakened when Ike was coming home at one in the morning. So that there, Ike. <laughs> so that's how he got pinned with this murder but did he have shoes i like ike no mention of shoes that's critical Ooh, changes <laughs> on it <clears throat> well he was released and never prosecuted because again there's no real evidence this neighbor just says he was being fishy so he's released our next victim is Irene Cross. Um, She was in her late 30s. She worked as a servant for Sophia Whitman. Irene lived with her young nephew, Douglas Brown, and her adult son, Washington. Really, all I could find about Irene was that she was born in Mississippi in 1847 and that she was a widow. (laughs) The night of May 23rd, 1885 she was attacked um 
<clears throat> Irene was heard screaming for help after the attack because she didn't immediately die, but eventually did succumb to her head wounds. So her, her son was not there at the time, but her young nephew was. A reporter on the scene noted it looked like she had been scalped. Oh, good. Yeah. So Irene's nephew described the man like he he kind of saw him, right? So he described the man as, quote, big and, quote, chunky and African-American. He was barefoot and carrying a pocket knife. So that's the description the little boy gave. That's it? A pocket knife? Yeah. Our next victim is another one that's not... We're not really sure if she was actually a victim of the same killer. Her name is Clara Dick. Um, Again, not a lot of information about her. She was killed August of 1885. So she fits within this window. And I think the circumstances of her death were similar. So that's why she was sort of lumped in, but not really sure. Chris, this next one's going to really hit you hard. <clears throat> oh, great. Yay. Yeah. I'm really sorry about this one for everyone, actually. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> so our next ones are Rebecca and Mary Rainey. Uh, Rebecca was, she worked as a domestic servant at a private residence of, um, the private residence of Valentine Weed, which is an amazing name, but, um, yeah. (laughs) Was he born on 420? (laughs) He's the sax player. And yes, our doom metal band has a sax player. I choose to believe that he was born on 420 now. <clears throat> and actually, I don't know if Valentine Weed is a man or a woman, but so I'll just say. Who cares? They, I, I choose to believe the they. Player. Yeah, that's like the best name. Okay. So Rebecca and Mary lived uh, in Valentine Weed's residence. Okay. So kind of similar to the other situations. So what we know about Rebecca and Mary um, Mary was born in Austin in 1875. She was only 11 years old at the time of these attacks. Her father, uh, had died before she was born. So she never knew her dad. Um, she grew up with her mother, Rebecca, and she did have an older brother, Edward and an older sister, Minnie, but they were out of the house already. Um, she kind of, she grew up around her grandmother, Harriet Carrington, and, um, had a couple uncles in town, uh, notably her, her uncle, Edward Carrington, who actually opened the first African-American owned business in Austin in 1872, which was a grocery store. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on the night of August 31st, 1885, The perpetrator rendered Rebecca, the mother, unconscious and then moved on to Mary. Rebecca did survive the attacks. Mary, however, did not. Um, 
I won't do any details, but similar situations to the others where she's kind of dragged outside and terrible things happen. Um, so after Mary, yeah. So after Mary's murder, Rebecca, you know, is (laughs) never going to get over it. Right. Um, who would traumatize completely? She moves in. Yeah. She moves in with her older daughter, Minnie and Minnie's husband, Lee Green in another town. Um, all right. We made it through that one. Uh, (laughs) sorry about that. That one was really sad. It is. They're all, they're all really sad, but the, like the child element, she's only 11 years old. She was like a baby. But at the same time, it's not something that you have to apologize for. In a way, you are bringing attention even now to what was done to her. You know, like you're bringing recognition to this travesty that was committed against her. So that's not something you need to apologize for. I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> Did you wow. happen to know that were it not for sloths, we wouldn't have avocados? What? I, really? I really thought he was about to drop a bunny <laughs> fact on us, and I'm, <laughs> He's I'm a little... It up, so. I mean, I love <laughs> sloths, but I'm still a little disappointed, I guess, if I'm being truthful. New I thought... New adorable animal. I... I but once again, I get you. Sloths. Oh, God. You see, sloths are one of the only animals that can actually digest an entire avocado seed. So we, really? have, we can think sloths for the spread of avocados. They're like pooping sloths. them out? Yeah, yeah they're pooping them That's out? Right. That's right. They can actually digest yeah. that big freaking seed. That yep. big Sloth, man. <laughs> Don't take sloths for granted, or you, or you won't have any avocados. I would never. They I really creep sloth. me out. What? <laughs> sloths? Aww. They do. Their faces are so cute. But here's the thing: what the fuck with those nails? And like, because they are so slow, I don't. There's something about how slow they are that creeps me out and makes me very uncomfortable. Hey, they didn't ask for those nails. And as far as being slow, they're just taking their time. They're just like. Oh, see, it it, it uh, really unnerves me when you do it. <laughs> that's fair. I accept that. No slow motion. How else are they going to do cocaine without those nails? That's where you went? Would they not move faster? (laughs) We're going to talk later, buddy. Oh, my God. No wonder they're swallowing avocado seeds like whole and... (laughs) (laughs) I can do it! (laughs) That's Jane's where he's just like, did you know they can swallow an entire avocado seed? (laughs) What are those nails for other than doing coke? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our next victims are Gracie Vance and her boyfriend, Orange Washington. Was Apple seeing somebody else? Orange glad he wasn't Lincoln. All right. Get it out of your system. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So Gracie. I wonder Andrew, if he was on the juice. God damn it. <laughs> Who knew right. had two orange oh. presents? <laughs> Every time I start, you guys are going to do this. Huh? <laughs> if the glove doesn't fit, you must quit. OJ. I felt like that was a reach. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it really was. I had nothing left. <laughs> All right, cuties, listen up. So Gracie and Orange lived together in a cabin on the property of William Dunham. Uh, what we know about Gracie and Orange. So Orange's family was originally from Virginia. And moved to Brenham, Texas to work not, on a farm. Not Georgia? No. Other states have oranges, Chris. I was thinking Florida. I ain't really oh, thinking Florida. Georgia. I'm thinking Florida. Damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I dropped sorry, Georgia. There. I'm sorry. Georgia peaches. It's, it's peaches. Yeah. Damn. His name is Orange. Get it right, Chris. My wife lived predominantly through her childhood in Georgia. I'm going to pay for all this the good later. It did you. All, the good it, all the good it did me, which was none. All right. So Orange was the oldest son. Uh, he had three younger siblings. His parents were George and Mary Washington. Gracie was born in Texas somewhere, not sure, in 1865. <clears throat> Her parents were Eliza and Charles Vance, and she was married for a short time to a gentleman named Albert Hall before she met Orange. And once you've had Orange. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to think of something. That... <laughs> so the no more. It's gone. We're getting to the sad stuff. Stop making fun of his name. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> on the night of September 28, 1885, both Gracie and Orange were murdered. That night, their friends Lucinda Body and Patsy Gibson were staying over at their house. Um, William Dunham, the property owner, right, they lived behind his house, claimed to hear some noises from the cabin, but he thought that it was Orange beating Gracie because apparently this was kind of a common occurrence. <clears throat> oh, it's just Orange beating Gracie again. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He was like super cash. Okay. This is like um, every other Friday night. Yeah. So, you know, he kind of ignores it at that time. Later, he heard some other loud noises and found Lucinda Body fighting off a man in their yard. So Dunham runs out to help her and the attacker escapes. The attacker leaves behind a horse tied to a nearby tree. Oops. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I left Maximilian. I hope they can't <laughs> finger me for this. God. Maximilian. <laughs> 
All right. So Dunham helps out Lucinda body, right? She survives. So in the cabin, they do find Gracie's body. Oh no, sorry. No, they found her body outside the cabin. My bad. That actually did fall into the pattern, right? So they find her outside in the yard. She had been dragged from the home, assaulted, and then murdered. Orange was found with an axe wound to the head, but was still breathing when he was found. So Orange uh, two things. Mm-hmm. I I was gonna say peeled. Oh, that was good. Oh God, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say two things. One, this is incredibly insensitive. And I do apologize, but I couldn't help that she's like, and they found orange peeled. That's where my mind went. Nah, I'm sorry. Her game. What? He was beating her. He's fair game. Screw the All that. You know what? That's true. I, I don't apologize. I hope I'm that not... asshole. I hope that asshole was peeled. I'm still not sure about this. <laughs> um well, anyway, he died shortly afterward. Um, Lucinda and Patsy, the guests staying over, were injured, but both survived the attack. Good. So Lucinda actually was a- was able to identify the guy. Really? Yeah. She claims to know who it was. Really? So, mm-hmm. What did she? Okay. Um, I'm... Continue. Okay. So... She claims it was actually a friend of Gracie and Orange named Doc Woods. What's so her names? <laughs> Orange, Doc Woods. I I like Doc Woods. That's like Doc Holiday, you know. Oh, I'm not saying I don't like Wild it. West. <laughs> like yeah, and Doc Holiday. <clears throat> I mean, I'm pretty sure I could say safely that James and I, one of our favorite westerns is Tombstone. So. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Oh, I love that movie. And we did one, a Tombstone episode. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. So Lucinda identifies the guy as Doc Woods. Um, and then the property owner, William Dunham, comes in and he says, yeah, you know, I saw that guy. Doc Woods on this property before. So the police arrest actually several people for this one, but obviously Doc Woods. And then they get someone named Oliver Townsend and Netherly Overton. I like so what names. were they like? I know we have one per, but I'm in an arrest <laughs> mood. Let's get some <laughs> make the numbers look good. Yeah, right. We're doing something. (laughs) I just see Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons like let's let's make them think that we're doing something, you know? Like, ah. (laughs) I know what it was. I'm gonna I know it's probably him, but I'm gonna like arrest seven other people just randomly. You Todd, you're going in. What? I didn't do anything. Christina's like. No, I'm drinking beer. I had to burp. <laughs> Try not to burp in the microphone, Jesus. you know? <laughs> Every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, here we go again. 
<laughs> Deep gas. Let him go. Okay, he's done. Thank God. Maybe I can finally finish this damn thing. Oh, shit. Here he goes again. Son of a bitch. I just want to stab him in his throat. I've never it's thought that about you, Chris. Those interruptions. I know. <laughs> Christopher makes this show. All right. What? No. With your hilarious commentary. I mean, he is the editor, so he literally does. He make literally it. makes the show. I do literally make the show. I'm like. Oh. <laughs> All right. So we got three guys arrested for this one. So it's okay, guys. We got three mm. arrested. We're fine. Three <laughs> we did it. Murderous guys. They're done. We're gonna throw the book at them. <laughs> I can't do the voice. <laughs> literally, you did it perfectly. Like I'm literally gonna take this big fucking thick book. I'm gonna chuck it right at Philip's face, <laughs> asshole. Hey, why, why, Philip? <laughs> okay, because um, he forgot the names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna throw this right at Cal's face. Cal? Nicholas? Your name's their kid Cal. Do you mean Doc? <laughs> I'm gonna throw this right at Doc's face. Does that make you happy? Yes, it does. I, Go on. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? He doesn't know. Indecisiveness <laughs> means acceptance. Go on. <laughs> All right. So we pull them three dudes for this shit. Doc Woods. For obvious reasons, like Lucinda says, this guy was there. So Oliver, on the other hand, like, why is this guy being brought into it? Well, some random dude <laughs> named Johnson Trigg claims that he's heard... some random dude. <laughs> Name was Trigg. I don't know. I just like I that. Have... That apparently everyone in this town points at their neighbors as a potential murderer. <laughs> Everybody's suspicious. It's Everybody's like the, shitty. That's really what it is. They're it's like, like Salem shitty. all over again. It's like Salem. So, hmm. Johnson Trigg says, yo, I heard Doc Woods and Oliver Townsend planning to kill Gracie. And he also claims that Townsend said he was going to kill Rebecca Ramey. One of our victims from before. She survived it. Her daughter did not. What she about that? She just I just saw in my head like Joe. I heard <laughs> that he was gonna kill. That's what I heard. Let me sliver off now. <laughs> sliver off now. Well, my next note here <laughs> basically confirms that he was found to be unreliable and was actually charged with perjury and did some jail time for his lies. Oops. Daisy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> My bad. Okay. So there's still reason why reasons why they picked on Doc Woods though, right? So Lucinda tagged him for this. So Lucinda claims that he did come to Gracie's window before the attacks. She saw him. And then Patsy, the other person that was saying the night, right? The other friend claimed he came to the house the time before and Gracie would not let him in. So he was trying to like 
come to her window, get in. And she was like, get the fuck out of here. Like you cannot be here. So Doc Woods says that he was actually at a friend's house that night. His alibi is that he was at a friend's house until late in the evening. And eventually he was not charged for this murder. (laughs) The only other thing they had for Oliver Townsend, the other, the second gentleman arrested was that he had blood on his shirt. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) I just, I cut myself shaving. Sir, there's four (laughs) gallons of blood on your shirt. If that was from your shave, you would be dead. So he was released because they believed his claim that the the blood was associated with something unrelated to the attacks. What that was, I don't know. He's like... (laughs) That's it's from the totally unrelated. <laughs> Sir, you're totally different person. You're drenched in blood. It has nothing to do with. Well, it's murders. not their blood. I believe it. So you know what? Go on. Hey, you go on. You little scamp. <laughs> All right. Well, remember we had a third person that was also arrested at the time, Netherly. Let me find his last name. I already forgot. Overton full name (laughs) sounds like a villainous name (laughs) it does yeah so they pulled netherly in because you remember that little detail about the perpetrator being like surprised and running off and leaving his horse behind tied to a tree on the property maximilian maximilian belonged to netherly case dismissed case closed (laughs) Throw the book at him. <laughs> Somehow my horse got out of his stable, went over there, and tied himself up. I, I have no idea how this happened. It wasn't me, though. It was a horse. Well, Netherly says that his horse was actually stolen earlier that day. Horse or something like that. Yeah, like it, his horse was stolen, and so they released him. <laughs> That's all we need. He said it was stolen. Couldn't been him. You're excused. Let's find the killer somewhere else, pal. Barking up the wrong tree. I trust this guy. All right. So let's move on to our next victim. Uh, Sue Hancock. <clears throat> and from my mathing, she would have been about 45 years old. What we know about Sue, she was born in Alabama in 1840. She had a twin sister named Martha and a brother, William. And actually her twin sister lived next door to her, <clears throat> which I found wholesome. Um, She was married to a man named Moses Hancock and they married around 1868 and they had two daughters named Lena and Ida. So on the evening of of Christmas Eve, actually 1885, um, Sue was attacked while sleeping in her 16 year old daughter's bed. Her daughters, Lena and Ida were actually not there. 
Uh, they were at a Christmas party. Um, Sue was hit over the head and then dragged to the yard uh, where our typical attack happens, right? This is kind of becoming our modus operandi. Once again, that horse is outside. Same horse, Maximilian. <laughs> Maximilian, you <laughs> son of a bitch, you did this. <clears throat> so her husband was home. He was not sleeping in the same bed with her. He was sleeping in his own room. Um, but he did hear the noises and he ran out and scared the attacker away again. Let's Sue had already been severely wounded. I up again. Right. No. Oh. No more horse. Really, this one, there's no more horse. <laughs> Pretty sure the horse was the killer. Yep. And they let him go free. Mm-hmm. And he ran free. amongst all the other horses, like, you <laughs> people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Your horse voices. <laughs> Just spontaneous. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so her husband finds her in the yard, right? She was still alive, but she had been severely wounded. Um, but she did le- live another three days and then died on December 28th. Our last victim is Eula Phillips who was only 17 years old. So here's what we know about Eula. She was born on April 22nd, 1868 to Thomas and Alice Burdett. Um, Her mother wound up separating from her father. They filed for divorce in late 1882, but her mother Alice died only weeks later after filing for divorce. She was only 36 years old and they believe, yeah, they, they believe that she died from typhoid because there was a typhoid outbreak in the area at that time. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. So young Eula marries James Phillips a month after her mother's death. James was 21 years old and Eula was only 14. You're the banjo. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. Which is common in the 19th century or if you're in Alabama today. Bummer. For real. So she gets married a month after her mother's death only at 14 years old. The couple moves in with James's family for a while then they move to a farm of Eula's like a family friend like he's this guy's name is George McCutcheon they moved into his onto his farm um <clears throat> George McCutcheon the property owner his wife dies not long long after they move in and then later that year Eula winds up pregnant with George McCutcheon's baby um he Shocker. was yeah he was 36 years old she was only like 16 or 17 at this point. Creepy dudes be creeping. 
So, James and Eula move back to Austin into James's parents' house. Um, And newspapers really didn't have much to say about her, except that she was young, had a baby, and was unfaithful to her husband. So, yeah. They're like, this girl's been murdered. Let's talk about her infidelity. So Eula was actually only like killed only hours after Sue Hancock was attacked on Christmas Eve, 1885. Good Lord. So there's a little bit of tea here though. So Eula reportedly left her house that evening with an unknown man. She goes to um, a house, which is called like a, it's referred to as an assignation house. I think that's how you say it. But it's basically assignation. That's how I say it. I'm not sure that that's how you say it or not. But it's almost like a sign and then add an Asian on it. But I figured it was assignation. (laughs) But it's basically a private residence and they rent out rooms to individuals for romantic liaisons, things like that. Scenarios where they need discretion. Okay. So, so like, it's a secretive brothel. <laughs> it's like more discreet than a hotel would be. Okay. It's so it's like super, super secret hotel, <laughs> super secretive whorehouse. <laughs> okay. Well, she goes, the place they go is a lady named May Tobin's house okay she tries to rent a room from her with this guy that is unknown um but may doesn't have a room for her so she leaves with the guy and then she's killed within an hour and her body is found in her own yard like at her her and james's residence there's a common theme here Mm -hmm. and so i don't know how this attack played out but her husband was also attacked during this incident. So there's like a really, really short window of her going and trying to be running a room with some random guy, random guy, some unknown guy, and then coming home and being attacked with her husband. Where so, was the horse during all of this? <laughs> he was tied to the tree. <laughs> so her husband was attacked, but he survived. Okay. All right. So that's our last victim. So let's talk about like what's going on in Austin. Like so many people are getting attacked, murdered. People are freaking the fuck out. Right. Austin is like going in a tailspin. They're nosediving right now. Um, They're panicking. They're freaked out. The police were under heavy scrutiny for obvious reasons, not handling these crimes very well. Um, They were accused of corruption, going after basically just random people. They felt like they're like, why would you even pick this person? I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. But the media was. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on law enforcement to solve crimes. So they'll just. Sometimes put it on people that are not doing it. They're just like, what are you doing? We've got a suspect. Grab Phyllis. It was (laughs) Phyllis. 
I didn't do nothing. You confessed. It's you. You're going to die in the. You're going to be lynched, baby. You're done. Case oh dismissed. You're safe now. Thank you so much, officer. I feel safe already. Oh, poor fellas. So. Jeff Rose going to wonder where I am. Oh. So the media was confused too. They were like, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> they were throwing out random reasons. They even cited like, as a theory, phases of the moon. They're like, it's a full moon, you know? <laughs> like, you know who was never arrested? Maximilian. The horse. The horse, Maximilian. It's a quarter moon. <laughs> Maximilian is a foot. Listen I'm just saying it would, it would behoove them he to consider the, the horse more. He puts the mare in nightmare. If you go and hear the clops, it's already too late. <laughs> You're killing me tonight, Chris. <laughs> I mean, they're throwing out phases of the moon, so might as well throw in a horse. Not just a horse. A zombie horse. <laughs> so, because of all this shit going down, Austin implements... A curfew. Shocking. Yeah. So saloons that were previously open 24 hours, they started closing at midnight. And then in general, people were really trying to be home before sunset. They didn't want to be out after dark. Um, Austin said, you know who the, uh, who this didn't apply to? Maximilian. Yeah. Maximilian could stay out as late as he wanted. Is he a horse? Of course. And rats. Of course. Next blockbuster, people. <laughs> Bloomhouse? Give us a call. <laughs> so Austin citizens started banding together and like patrolling neighborhoods. P the police force tripled in size during this period. Um, and if you weren't recognized in town and didn't like sufficiently identify yourself they kicked you out of austin <laughs> get yeah. the fuck out <laughs> hey stay in i'm writing you this letter to let you know that i'm gonna come visit you i haven't seen you in a long time baby boy love grandma dear grandma jesus h christ do not come and visit me you will be tarred and feathered and kicked <laughs> of the badge and then rolled out of town in a barrel. <laughs> Shit has gone eight crazy here. Love you, Jethro. <laughs> Apocalypse now. Okay. All right. So let's talk about just some of the facts of the case, right? So most of the victims were African-American women. Almost all victims were attacked while they were sleeping and all all of the crimes involved sexual assault so here's kind of an icky detail that we didn't talk about when i was going over the victims six of the victims had sharp objects inserted in their ears 
Could could they not? Uh, what? Uh, what about if that didn't happen? Uh, <laughs> so five of the women were dragged from their beds, like we were talking about. Um, after being incapacitated first and then murdered outdoors. Um, and then they did find footprints at some of the scenes. So it looked like the killer would like take off their shoes before the murder and then put them back on afterward. So they had pretty good footprints that showed that the perpetrator was missing a toe on his right foot. And then kind of a another detail that I wasn't sure if it was related, but I wanted to put it in here. So prior to these murders in December of 1884, when all this started, right, there were actually a string of attacks perpetrated against several African-American women. Um, the incidents were non-fatal, but they were executed in a really similar style. So <clears throat> they were attacked in their sleep. Um, two of them were stabbed in the face and another one was hit over the head with an iron. So they were like very similar, violent, grotesque attacks against women. All right. So we're going to talk about our suspects. So during the investigation of all these murders, they questioned and released about 400 men. <clears throat> holy crap who in town did they not arrest <laughs> yeah well everybody was like he did it he did it he did it <laughs> everybody's guilty do we find out the truth <laughs> were you arrested hell of course i was arrested everybody was arrested mm. my grandpappy was arrested and he's 97 years old he has dementia right i think these police officers don't know what they're doing so, yeah, keep that in mind, though, like when we talk about the main suspects that are named, keep that in mind. Like they really had no clue. They were interviewing a lot of people, questioning a lot of people. So the first guy, is his name is Maurice. Um, don't know his last name. Uh, he was a Malaysian cook um, and he worked at the Pearl House Hotel. Uh, which was downtown Austin. I couldn't find a good reason why they brought this guy in other than some of the victims were like connected to the Pearl House Hotel. And maybe racism here. <laughs> like there, I found no other indicators. Like, was he violent? Was he, what was the deal? Anyway, so that was... A popular rumor running around Austin as well that this guy was the killer, the servant girl annihilator. And so Maurice eventually leaves Austin. He goes to New Orleans and then moves to London. So when this happens, when, as soon as he leaves, the rumor is the murders stopped. And then when he gets to London, the rumor is that's when the Jack the Ripper murders started. What? <laughs> yeah. So he has very loosely been connected to two grotesque serial murders in 
on two different continents <laughs> somehow. <clears throat> the next name, and this guy seems to be like the most popularly believed perpetrator, is a 19-year-old African-American cook named Af uh, Nathan Elgin. Um, <clears throat> so he gets on the police radar because one of his neighbors, these neighbors, hears him beating a woman in his home. So the neighbor runs out, gets like the nearest police officer. The guy's name, the officer's name is John Bracken. So they go over to Elgin's house, <clears throat> him, a, the neighbor, a saloon keeper, and they bust in and he is beating a woman nearly to death. And he does have a knife on him. He's not stabbing her, but he has a knife, a knife on him. Okay. They drag him outside. They're trying to like wrestle him down, get him down on the ground, but he is resisting and eventually kind of breaks free, pulls his knife and the officer, John Bracken shoots him dead. So after he's dead, they discover that he's missing a toe on his right foot. And so that's kind of how he be starts becoming associated with these murders, because otherwise he was not on the radar whatsoever. Let's see. What so do I have in like here? like arresting hmm? 400 people. Could they just been like, hey, everybody, take your shoes off for a moment. <laughs> yeah, let me see your fucking feet. <laughs> Show me these pretty toes. <laughs> right. So, yeah, his murdery his... Cinderella story. <laughs> yeah, very. So his footprint, like, closely matches what they found on the scenes. Uh, it's also just kind of generally believed that Nathan Elgin kind of had a troubled past. They they believe that he was abused as a kid. Um and he did get into a little trouble with the law prior to that, but not really, like, serial killer shit. You know, it was like he was carrying a pistol and arguing with a guy, you know. And then apparently he sent a threatening letter to a police officer, but I found no context for that letter whatsoever. Carrying a pistol and arguing with a guy is just what every Texan does nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I so, couldn't have said it better to myself. I mean, so those things I don't really think are con like connected at all. The like the beating a woman nearly to death, like he was caught doing that in his home, and then the foot thing is kind of intriguing, but I don't think that's like you know the smoking gun. Like the you're the foot. the smoking foot. You're the murderer. You know. <clears throat> All right. So those are the two main names that came that came out of the investigation. Um, two other gentlemen come up for Sue Hancock's murder and Eula Phillips. So remember, those are our last two women that were murdered. They were also the only white women that were murdered. And so in those cases, um, the husbands were actually accused of killing them. 
So the first one uh, for Sue, right, her husband was Moses Hancock. So he was arrested for that murder and he did go to trial. Um, Apparently their marriage was not doing well, um, which it kind of explains maybe why she was in her daughter's bed rather than in her room. And then they did find a letter. So she, Sue was thinking of leaving Moses and wrote this note to him. Okay. So this is a quote. This is the letter she wrote to him. Dear husband, I have lived with you 18 years and have always tried to make you a good wife and help you all I could. I have loved you and followed you day and night. You won't quit whiskey. And I am so nervous. I can't stand it. You know, it almost feel, it almost kills me for you to drink. And Lena is almost crazy and will lose her mind. If I was to do anything to disgrace you and our children, you would leave me. You would have quit me long ago. Take good care of yourself. Write to me at Waco and I will answer every letter. letter. Your wife until death, Sue Hancock. Interesting. So she wrote that letter. Her daughter, Lena, though, her, the 16-year-old daughter testifies in court that like her father wasn't violent toward them. He treated them well. So yeah, I don't I don't really know if he was actually harming Sue in any way, you know. So Moses Hancock was well represented in court and and kind of a bizarre move that I've not heard of before. The sheriff, Sheriff Hornsby, testifies on the defense's behalf. <laughs> That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he testifies on Moses's behalf. Uh, uh, sheriff, sheriff sir, you're <laughs> supposed to be on the other side of the court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in 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 the court, they brought up Nathan Elgin, right? And they brought up the footprints and the missing toe and, you know, how like Moses's feet don't match that, blah, blah, blah. Um, The jury deliberated for two days, but ultimately it was a hung jury and the case was dismissed with no verdict. So he he walked free. In the case of you. Yeah. In the case of Eula Phillips. So James Phillips, her husband, is arrested. And remember, he suffered injuries from the attack as well. Like, he was pretty wounded. But he didn't have a sheriff testifying on his behalf. (laughs) So, Worse. (laughs) Yeah. So James and Eula's marriage was falling apart as well. So, you know... At that farm where they lived, she gets pregnant by the owner, the property owner, George McCutcheon, 36-year-old man, while she's still a teenager. So when they move back, when she and James move back to Austin, uh, James starts drinking heavily. Um, He was unemployed, and he was constantly suspicious of Eula that she was cheating on him. Of course he was. Well, she was. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm all like, of course uh, he was. It's like, well, sh- I don't blame her for the 36 year old, but 
she did start an affair that apparently was very well known in town with a 27 year old guy named John Dickinson when they get back to Austin. Um, Dickinson. <laughs> John sounds like a better catch on paper than James, to be fair. He was hot, apparently, and well connected and wealthy. <laughs> um, so Eula ends up leaving James in November of 1885. Remember, she's killed in December. She leaves him a month before that um, and starts staying at those assignation houses we talked about. Um, pretty like she was staying between like two of them. There were there were two that she was staying in temporarily um, and reportedly like meeting this John Dickinson guy the whole time there. Well, James wants his wife back. So he, he cleans up, he gets sober. He finds a job as a carpenter and he finds Eula and wins her back. I, I don't know if he had to grovel or, (laughs) you know what, but he wins her back and she agrees to go home with him to back to Austin. And then, you know, she's killed a month later. So um, people also who knew them, they claimed that Eula was really scared of James when he was drunk. So there's that element. Um, Of course, during the trial, they bring all this stuff up. They bring up uh, the footprints, though. The defense brings up the footprints and, you know, like James's feet were inked and compared to the the prints that were found on the scenes. And they and weren't a bear. James wasn't a bear. <laughs> they were not bear paws. <laughs> no, but they didn't match at all. He wasn't missing a toe on his right foot. They, his foot was also a, like a wildly like different size than the prints they found at the crime scene. But despite this, the jury does find him guilty for second degree murder, what? citing, yeah, citing his drunkenness and jealousy as the motive for the murders. There the ain't murders. nothing else to match <clears throat> the uh, evidence presented, but you're a drunken, jealous asshole. Guilty. Yeah. Well, sometime later, I'm not sure how many years later, but. It does go through the Texas Court of Appeals, so you can assume it was years later. Uh, his convic- conviction is overturned by the Texas Court of Appeals because there was no, I mean, there was no direct evidence, but there was also what they claimed no direct evidence that he even knew for sure that she was cheating on him when they got back to Austin. Um, so his conviction eventually was overturned. He was set free. And he remarried, had some kids, and lived a life. Um, That's it. (laughs) The end. That's it, guys. Thank you for listening to Little Podcast of Horrors. Um, If you're feeling with endless hopes, endless despair, (laughs) and sadness, well, we all are too. So uh, now you're ready for our new Doom Metal album to drop. Mm hmm. Bear 
Oh, Christina. I'm obviously going to be guitar guitarist. <laughs> for, for doom metal, you need to have that guitar tuned a lot lower. Is it weird that oh. I, in my head, I saw you as yeah, the drummer, Christina? Know. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, I would like that. I just see you just be like, <laughs> you know. So. Just like fling my sweaty hair everywhere. I love it. <laughs> it would be amazing. Damn good story. Once again, both of you. God, y'all knock it out of the park. One after the other. I loved it. And I also hated it. <laughs> right, yeah. That <laughs> For obvious really, reasons. Really sad. God. Did you know that sloths are three times stronger <laughs> than humans? What? Nope, but I do now. And they I'm a little bit, I'm actually a little bit more with one arm. You know what? They that do. did not have the effect that you thought it would. Now I'm a little more freaked out. Thanks a lot, dude. Stick with bunnies. I'm having nightmares about horses and sloths tonight. Yep. <laughs> Way to go, James. We did it. They'll get you eventually. Just don't move ever. If you like this. <laughs> If you like this episode, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so many things. So many things. Please like. Please. Like and share gonna... this. Please with all we your We just want to be liked. We just need to bring despair to everybody. <laughs> Constantly. Um, Maybe uh, next time I'll choose something that's not true crime. <laughs> that won't be a sad. You know what, though? Here's the thing. Yeah, you're you know episodes... the sloths poop a third of their body weight in one go? Nope, but I do now. Thanks. A third. In one I will go. I will say, Christina, some of your episodes, yeah, your episodes can be sad, but at the same time, like, God, they're so good. Like your research, your depth, how far you go oh. into it, and the way you relay the story for you. Like James, chef's kiss. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm being truthful. Chris is the best hype man. <laughs> we, we like to review our own episodes during the episode. Yes. I'm having a bad day. <laughs> I'm going to write us a review on Apple Podcast. <laughs> if you have a real podcast story that you'd like to Find share with Bill. us, uh, please email us at littlepodcasthorrors at gmail.com. We also have a website of www.littlepodcastofhorrors.com. And yeah, that's it. And I would like to say thank you for everybody that has taken the time really to listen. To, we really need to get the URL servantgirlannihilator.com. We that's need it. To get our, we, we need to steal that. <laughs> get on that, James. Get on that. Anyway. <laughs> have a love great one another. What? <laughs> I said love one another. Be sweet. <laughs> and be and party on, dudes. Yeah. And as always, on, hail Ashtar. <laughs> James is nodding, so he's agreeing <laughs> with me. So what do you want from me? Bill, come on. I don't want anything from you. Nothing. Good, Phil, this is, a, 
This is the part, Phil, where James says, Hail Ashtar. Who's Ashtar? Yeah. I don't know. Why the hell are we hailing him? Cut! Cut! (laughs) I'm out! I quit! (laughs)